1: Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Over 18s only, please gamble responsibly.
2: Hello, and welcome to what hopefully won't be, but very well could be, the final episode of the Roper Report Extra 2018 2019. Sunland put in a sterling performance on Saturday night as the king of all kings, Chris Maguire, that is, bollied the lads and a well deserved first leg lead. We took the game 1-0. The now rescinded though, and frankly astonishing, in my opinion, red card shown by Andy Woolmer to Alan Ozturk, did put Peter chances of adding a few more, just when we looked like we might, but for the neutrals, it has set up quite a mouthful on the second leg at Fratton Park on Thursday. To talk us through undoubtedly our biggest game of the season, and definitely Portsmouth's biggest game of the season, we've got a returning guest, we've got Hugh from the PO4 podcast. How are you doing, Hugh? Are you well?
3: Yeah, I'm great, thanks. Good to be back.
2: Yeah, it, it was, what, two minutes ago you were here? Yeah, it seems like it, doesn't it? This yeah. this, could, this could be the last time we speak for a year, Graham. It could be. And in the nicest way possible, not towards you. I really hope it is.
3: <laughs> I'm thinking about that in a positive way the other round, obviously.
2: Yeah, of course, of <laughs> course, buddy. But first things first, um, Portsmouth on Saturday. Uh, you seem
3: to set up for a draw. I don't know if that was just me, but how are you feeling after Saturday's game? It was bitterly disappointing from a porter point of view because I felt like even if we went out there and we lost, you know, by a goal, but showed some fight, really troubled you, that would be okay. But it was slow, wasn't it? It was disappointing. And I thought the first 20 minutes we looked, you know, all right, a bit brighter than you, maybe. But after that, it just looked like, I don't know, we did set up for a draw. I kind of agree with you on that. I think.
2: Originally, I was a little. Well, the first half was. I, I said I described it on the the, the reaction podcast on um, Sunday. It was a bit like watching paint dry. Neither team seemed to have any sort of cutting edge. Um, yeah, boring. It was. It was a boring mm. game. I think it was. It was very nervous. The atmosphere was good from our side. It was our lowest attendance, but at the same time, it was also probably the best atmosphere. One of the best atmospheres we've had. But it was, you could feel sort of nerves originally, but I definitely felt like Maguire changed the game.
3: Yeah, f- no doubt. And um, I mean, I, I wrote the um, the programme notes, or wrote the Pompey part of the programme, and I've got I've got to stop predicting, um, you know, who my danger man is to watch. If you go back and read that, my um, predicted Maguire, and I said, I hope he doesn't start against us, because for me, he provides a much more attacking threat than Honeyman does in that position. Um, and, you know, when he came on, I just thought, Maybe he's going to give you that bit of oomph that both teams were lacking, actually, in the first half. So I wasn't really surprised to see Maguire come on and cause us problems.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's a good question, actually, to, to, to sort of ask you. And it's a bit off the cuff. But from a Portsmouth perspective, you mentioned about George Honeyman there. Now, George Honeyman, from a local Report perspective and a Sunderland fans perspective, it's very, very 50-50. Um, I'm personally on the, the side that I like George Honeyman, but I prefer him a lot deeper. I don't feel he offers enough of a goal scoring threat. How did the opposite? how did you feel as the opposition, um, when Maguire came on and went in that number ten as opposed to Honeyman, did you feel just more threatened by that? Do you think he was creating more?
3: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think he's a lot more direct, isn't he? He's got a lot more of a goal scorer's instinct as such in that position. And I also feel that Charlie White is that sort of, that attacker that maybe needs someone with a bit of potency behind him in that different role. But also, um, Honeyman, I I still would like to play him. And looking at your team on Saturday, I I would have considered maybe playing him deeper and uh, playing him next to Catamol rather than Max Power, who I thought was underwhelming a little bit for you. Um, You know, that, that's what I'd do I would drop him deeper because his passing and his movement's really good and getting the ball going a bit like Ben Close plays for us but yeah I, I would have pushed up um, pushed up Chris Maguire instead.
2: Yeah no I, I'm 100% in agreement <laughs> with you on that with Max Power I think um, he's, he's came back on form a little bit but he has been been really underwhelming I thought and I'm saying that though about Max Power um, and I don't know if it was just a performance to Lee Catamore who I thought I'd terrific performance on Saturday night Um, but the two players that I think especially at Wembley that really for me changed the game in your favour were 100% Naylor and Ben Close and Ben Close in particular I've been really impressed with I felt like any loose ball he was just picking up on all of the time like consistently Um, but I felt like we won that midfield battle on on Saturday but why do you think Portsmouth or Kenny Jacket in particular set up so defensively because that, that's not really Portman's
3: strength is it? No it's definitely not our strength and we've been doing it a little bit of this all season but in a sort of in-game situation rather than a from the start you know Kenny Jacket's been a cautious manager and when we've sort of gone a goal up or two goals up rather than trying to kill teams off he sort of resorted to us you know sitting back into this really deep formation and you saw that happen from the start. It was almost like he thought we um, had the advantage going back to Fratton Park and we'd gone 2-0 up and we were now defending to the final whistle, like in a sort of reverse way, if that makes sense. Yeah. It it was it was it was pretty awful to watch. But it's not something that Pompey fans haven't seen over the season with us, you know, and how Kenny Jacket sets up. But we're all disappointed of how we played. On top
2: of that as well, there must have been a bit of a lift amongst Portsmouth fans when McGeady was was um, ruled out in the in the warm up, um, and yet still the team went defensive. Do do you feel like he'd stayed with that setup because it's what he planned for all week? Um, and do you think he should have maybe uh, Kenny jacket that he should have maybe changed it when he found out McGee wasn't playing because McGee the best player in the League One, in my opinion, and has tortured Portsmouth in the past. I think without him, you, you surely should have fancied your chances as a fan
3: base, let alone as a a manager and as a team. Yeah, well, it's the first time in a week that I started skipping a little bit when I heard he wasn't playing. But I, I, moving on, I think Kenny Jacket. Um, he's quite stubborn, and when he's got an idea in his head of how he's going to play and stuff, especially from the start, um, he's he's going to do that. And even with his subs, I sometimes feel it's a bit more of an impact situation. Of he's already thought about if this doesn't work, this is what I'm going to do. And he's very he's very regimented and he plans in that sort of way. So I don't think he w- would be the kind of guy to go, hey, wait a sec, it, you know, their best player isn't playing in McGeady, who I, I do think also is one of the best players in League One. Let's change it up. I think he had a plan. He was going to stick to it and it didn't work. Yeah,
2: uh, evidently it didn't based on the result, 100% of what you say. I mean, and it's not just so yourself. Obviously, we have spoke a little bit during the week and we spoke before the game last week. Um, but I notice a lot of Portsmouth fans online as well don't just seem... Upset, they seem quite angry. Um, I, I seen a post by I think it was the Portsmouth Twitter today of all the players like commenting how different the game's going to be on Thursday. And I seen a lot of that, there was a lot of vitriol under that of, well, why didn't you do that on Saturday? Um, there seems to be a bit of anger around Portsmouth fans about
3: the performance on Saturday. Am I picking that up right? um I mean it's hard to tell I'll, I'll put this out there first that the people who are being a bit angry online we all know um they're very they're <laughs> yeah. a very they're, a very, they're a very small minority a vocal minority but very small you know and to be honest you know Kenny jacket m- didn't play this perfectly but you know he's a good manager um I've got my full backing behind him and I've got no doubt he is going to play it differently at Fratton Park so but at the same time the most fans are actually quite positive going into this game. You know, it's one now, we're at home. We've been one now down to you lot before playing at Wembley. And, you know, we came out victorious in the end. So we're not, we're not worried as such. It's just a little bit concerning. But, you know, not disheartened or angry, I wouldn't say. I think there's just a few idiots on Twitter. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I think, you know, sometimes Twitter can be that kind of place where people do vent, isn't it? It's maybe not the, yeah. the best place to pick up necessarily the the opinion of an entire fan
3: base's thoughts on a game you're probably right in saying that um I'm sure you guys have the same a bit you know when you you mm -hmm. finish you finish and you don't get automatically promoted and suddenly you know you have the Ross out crowd and everyone looks like they're in huge numbers and I don't know how true that is but from looking on Twitter you would have thought that you know you got relegated or something you didn't get promoted but actually it's, it's probably just a small minority as well
2: yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, I mean, you know, there was going through those Fleetwood games and those South End games. I think, you know, I spoke to you last week and I I almost conceded defeat at Portsmouth, didn't I? Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Now I'm sort of well up for it, um, which is typically <laughs> what some men do. Um, but the the, the big take out of the match for me on Saturday now, I, th- I think I've made no bones about it sort of between chat, between me and you personally on on the podcast and on top of that as well, sort of on our... Review podcast. I've I've had real niggle with with uh, Portsmouth this season, especially um Tom uh, Thompson. Uh, There was a bit of niggle again on Saturday between uh, Burgess and Maguire. But I feel like Pompey have that kind of extra level of shithousery than Sunderland have done in the past. But with Chris Maguire back fit, obviously he was firing as well. He was kind of back to his cheeky best. Our players seemed a little bit more for the the wind up. I, I don't know whether you saw, but there was a moment where. Max Power asked for the ball in the last minute to to take a throw. In. And then when the Portsmouth player threw it back, I think it was Burgess, he literally just let the ball go. And it was it, it felt like we ruffled Portsmouth for once. But does that concern you at all going into Thursday, that our players seem a little bit more prepared for the mind games that, admittedly, Portsmouth are very good at?
3: No, not really, to be honest. When I watched the game, I actually thought that uh, Burgess really had Wyke in his back pocket. And if he wasn't on a football field... I think he would have smacked him. I I genuinely do. Speaking to them as well and seeing, you know, Burgess was laughing, he was smiling, he looked like he was enjoying himself out there. Um, Obviously, you know, Chris Maguire, he's a bit of a wind up merchant. We all know what Nathan Thompson's like. He's a kind of player that you love to have in your team and and hate to play against, sort of player. And I assume Chris Maguire is pretty similar. But, Very much so. Yeah, but but at the same time, our team's not not the kind of team that's going to worry about that. To be honest, and maybe you could say player to player, Sunderland maybe have got the edge in that sense. But I think as when it comes to team unity and and that sort of thing and being on the wind up, I think we we're okay on that.
2: Yeah, Thompson's especially good at it. Um we've we, we discussed that on Sunday, how how good he is at that and how frustrating it is, and yet at the same time you kill for someone like that in your own team. I think well, everyone's he, got that Robbie Savage, haven't they?
3: Yeah, well he, he's good at winning a free kick as well, isn't he? Especially in the defensive zone. He, he goes down so so well that we um, and Pompey called it the Thompson flop. Um <laughs> and uh I think you heard I can't remember what it was, I think. When Andrew Moon was commentating uh, for for BBC Solent and Express FM on your game, he went down in I think it's the fifteenth minute or something similar to that. Um, last time he played, you not time before, and um, Andrew Moon said, "Oh, and that's Nathan Thompson's first cheap kick, kick uh, cheap free kick of the game." So it's um, <laughs> it's one of those things, really, isn't it? And yeah, I, th- I thought McGee actually looked pretty wound up with him before when we came away and got the one-one draw.
2: Yeah, because he he went in quite a few times but you know I think there's part part of us I think we discussed that before with McGeady's mm. broken foot I think if we, if I take my rose tinted glasses off Portsmouth would have been silly not to be going in on McGeady the way that they did um the guy's got a broken foot and he's he's damaged you before and that was a massive game as it was at the time where we both could have still gone up automatically um and, and yeah, I think he did get quite frustrated and wound up with Thompson, as, as we have done most of the season. It was just, it felt like on Saturday we had the edge in not just the scoreline and not just the performance, but also with um, with that bit of shithousery as well. But I have a feeling Chris Maguire has an awful lot to do with that. Um, And I'm, and I'm sure, even though he used to play for you, although saying that didn't, am I right in saying that Chris Maguire scored in a really big derby game for Portsmouth as well, or in a big game? I can't remember that at all, Graham. But then again, maybe my Pompey history isn't, isn't great. Um, I'm sure you've, that, spent a, few I'm sure you've been a, a few games on loan. I could be, I could be totally wrong. I'm, I really should have Googled that beforehand. But um, but yeah, I mean, one thing I did want to comment on, obviously the, the game, it, it does feel like half time. Like you say, we can't celebrate too much. You can't be too downhearted too much. But I think one of the, the, probably the biggest talking point of the entire game was Alem Oztuk's um, red card. And I think, I, I I honestly feel like we would have potentially scored more goals had he not been sent off. But just from a, a Postman's perspective, what did you make of first and foremost the red card and second of all, Portsmouth's reaction to that? And do you think that if we'd had 11 men on the pitch, you might have had a bit more of a tougher task going into
3: Thursday? Well, it's a clear red card, isn't it? I'm appalled it's been overturned. I think he got a toe to the ball I think Gareth Evans is is running away from goal first of all a little bit um I think if he hadn't made the challenge Gareth Evans would gone for on goal um and probably would have a you know pretty decent chance of scoring he doesn't miss from there very often if I'm honest he's got a pretty high conversion rate when he when he goes through on goal and he's pretty clinical so it was a great tackle at the end of the day and it was unlucky that you got a red card. They're moving on to how it impacted the game. Maybe, maybe. I think you're on top, but I, I don't know. You didn't look that clinical to me. Uh, you know, you had that one chance. Honeyman had a chance, and he slaps McGilvery in the face. I think it was, wasn't it, with the header? It was. Yeah. You know, fair. You know, credit to McGivary gets up and makes himself big, and it just happens to hit him. That could, if you know, if Honeyman gets the ball down and he heads it down into the ground, it's probably a goal. I don't really think you're that clinical, though, to be honest. You know, the goal was well taken, but it's scrappy. didn't give the goalkeeper a chance. I didn't think it was was outstanding. And looking at the game, obviously it turned the tide of the way that we really should have stepped up and stepped on you. But I sort of feel that this sluggish defensive start we had just carried on and on and on and we never got going. But I didn't think you guys were outstanding, to be honest, in the second half. I know you're, you're all happy that you won. But I think the Sunderland reaction to how much better you were or how much better than us you are is a little bit overstated. I don't think you're that good. I just think you're better than a really shit team and for ports of shit performance that ports have put out.
2: Yeah. One one thing I really wanted to. Uh, one thing I was surprised at was the fact that he took off Ollie Hawkins after Oster yeah. got sent off. Um, I. I I mean, I know Omar Bogle started quite well, but uh, when he first came, but he, he, he just kept giving away silly free kicks. So, what do you think the thinking behind taking off Hawkins was? Because Hawkins is a player that that worries me. He's, he's big. He's strong.
3: I mean, I think Kenny Jackett just thought, "Hey, maybe we should inject some pace up front by, you know, bring Bogle on. Bogle's quite good at stretching the line at the back. He's quite good at drifting wide, you know, losing defenders. Maybe they all thought Hawkins being marked out the game, but for me, it was a, it was a, it was a, you know, a bad move because Ozturk was the player that really had Hawkins uh, marked well in that game. I think Flanagan, for instance, would have struggled if Hawkins stuck on him for the rest of the game. And exactly I, my I, thoughts, I, yeah, I just think that. Bogle just didn't look up for it at all. And, you know, people are saying that Kenny Jackett had a bit of a spat with him after the game about possibly not going to the away fans and applauding them. If that's the case, I don't want to see him start um, Thursday even. And, you know, I, I would back Ollie Hawkins
2: to start up front. What's the situation with James Vaughan, who I must be honest didn't look like he'd improved? one iota when he played against us um last month but I noticed he didn't seem to get a sniff on Saturday was he on the bench James Vaughan
3: he's not I'm not a massive fan to be honest if I'm speaking freely I, I just don't think he adds that much to the game for us I don't think he's got that clinical edge to the game I think Hawkins is better you know physically than him um, I'm I don't know. Some people like him. Some people seem to like the fact that he can sort of run around and add some energy up front. And I think <laughs> That's he just. Jim's yeah. yeah, but I don't think he actually provides that clinical touch. And I think in such a tight fixture and such, you know, two teams that are fairly evenly matched, you've got to play someone who I believe is going to score. And I think Hawkins has a lot better chance of scoring. And Bogle is more clinical usually. Um, he scored some great goals for us this season, you know, lobs, curls, etc., headers. But at the same time, you know, I just think Hawkins first, Bogle maybe on the bench, and yeah, I don't think there's a place for him in the team at the moment. You play one striker up front.
2: Talking about strikers, um, you had two players that were missing on the game on Saturday. Yeah, obviously, you had Brown missing at left back, um, but the big one for me was the Brett Pittman missing. Um, I think. Although he's dropped back a little bit and he kind of plays that more number 10 role, it seems now. And he's, he's certainly had a return to form. Is he
3: likely to be fit? And how big do you think his reintroduction could be? So Lee Brown's probably going to play. I've heard that's fine. He's he's pretty much, you know, dead on to play the game. He's recovered from the Achilles uh, injury he had, which was only he only really pulled out a fitness test just before the game. So it was touch and go. I mean, Lee Brown, just quickly, he's very important to our team. He gets forward, he does. He gets forward on the overlap and he provides those crosses into the box that we really, really lacked any width, didn't we, on both sides. And Anton Walks, yeah. for instance, isn't a natural left back. He's either a centre back or a, a holding midfielder or a right back, probably a right back better. And maybe you can defend on that side, but he couldn't get forward and add any extra width. If you watch Brown play, he gets forward 5, 10, 15 times a game and, and puts balls into the box and and dangerous balls at that. So yeah, I we, thought we, that. we missed him on that side, and that allowed almost that side side to be sort of completely inept. And then you've got the other side where you could focus on putting players, holding midfielders, catamole, etc., on watching Jamal Lowe. And he was ended up being doubled on. So if you've got two two sides of, of us attacking, it's a little bit harder to Marcus. Um moving on to Pittman. Yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic in that number 10 role. Not only can he score, um, and he knows where, where the net is, obviously. He's got that experience in the team. The players raise their game a little bit when he plays. But also, he demands the ball in that little in the hole. He, he'll ask for it. He knows when to play passes forward attackingly. And he knows how to get the ball moving for us. And we really missed that, didn't we, um, on Saturday. And that was playing to see for everyone who, who's ever seen Brett Pittman pull on, pull on a Pompey shirt is he likely to play? He's hurt his hamstring. That's never a great thing to recover. It's quite difficult because no matter who you talk to, Kenny Jacket puts out, and love him for this, a fuckload of shit. Um, <laughs> excuse my language, but to the press, to everyone else, deliberately as such, um, to sort of throw them off. I, I was chatting to someone at your club and just said to them, look, look I've spent three times, I think, on our podcast speaking for 20 minutes, say, on a topic of who's going to replace, say, Jamal Lowe or Christian Burgess or whoever's playing and being told they're 100% ruled out only for them to appear on the team sheet started and play 90 minutes for the rest of the game. And it's difficult to know. I think he'll play a part, whether he starts or not, I don't know. What would you
2: expect the the lineup to be? Because Portsmouth don't really change too much. Would you expect it to be identical with obviously Brown back at left back and everything else the same? If Pittman's not fully fit,
3: no, I expect to, I expect him to start Pittman rather than bring him on. I, yeah. I, I think he'll start from the from the go and try and get the tempo going. So oh, let's assume Pittman and Brown are fit for now because it makes it easier. And yeah. if not, if not, I'll, I'll swap them out. Okay, so at the back we'll play we'll play the same apart from Brown comes in. Close and Naylor are dead on to play in, in midfield together. And by the way, Close will be a lot more effective if we're actually trying to pass the ball forward because he's that sort of Spanish style midfielder. And there's not much point having say Xavi or Iniesta just tracking back and marking rather than passing the ball, which is a similar yeah. sort of thing. Then on the on the wing, you know, I don't want to see Ronan Curtis start personally. He's been um, he's been um, on form, hasn't he? He's been really poor and he actually came out in the press and said that he's not tired because he's played for Ireland all the way through the summer and then he's played for us. So he's not really had I think it's about a week or two break since last January. But it's confidence and he's come out in the press and said it's confidence. If that's the case, he needs to stay on the bench, really. Um, If he's not confident enough in his own ability, he shouldn't be starting and that should be picked up. So if we play... Pittman in the middle, Jamal Lowe on the right, who I think will have a lot more freedom with Pittman playing, and Lee Brown on the left. I think we'll probably start with either Gareth Evans, who I thought was unlucky not to score that free kick, or maybe, a, you know, throw a wild card out there, Viv Solomon Etabar on the off wing, who I thought looked pretty lively when he came on. He was quick, he got to the byline, and he actually looked a bit more dangerous. Um, and then Hawkins up top.
2: So the big talking point about Thursday that I've noticed um from everyone associated with Portsmouth, really is we've been talking about the atmosphere at Fratton Park. Um now I I know what it can be like. Obviously it's a it's a small ground. You're kind of on top well it's not a small ground. It's Oi. but in comparison <laughs> to yeah, say sure. the, the the big modern ground that we have, Fratton Park is very much old school. You're kind of you're almost on the pitch as well. It's it's really close um yeah. from a, yeah. if my memory serves me right. Um the atmosphere does concern me a little bit, not going to lie, because um, I know that it can be really good. And I feel like I feel like we were the better side for the first 45 at Fratton Park. But once that red card went towards Leuven's, I felt like not just the 10 men, but also the atmosphere carried you over the line and you ended up beating us 3-1 as well. But what kind of atmosphere are you expecting on Thursday? There's been a lot of talk about it. Hostile, I'd
3: say. I'd expect a hostile atmosphere. In all the big games this year, it's been really hostile against the big teams, whether we've been down or, or, you know, or not. Against Peterborough, when we're losing, the crowd was still really, really loud. It was shaking. You know, all the stands are singing. And I, I expect that on on Thursday and nothing less, you know, it'd be fairly disappointing if that doesn't happen. I'd be really surprised at the same time. I mean, maybe if you went 3-0 up in the first half, it might have an impact on the crowd. You know, you kill the game off, but... You know even if you score early, I don't think that's gonna gonna throw the crowd off. Especially you know on a Thursday in the evening, everyone's gonna be up for it. And yeah, it is close to the pitch. You can, if you're in the first tier, you can reach out and grab someone's ankle while taking a throw in. So that's how close <laughs> it is. Did you see that Mansfield fan that was uh, that knocked the ball out
2: of the player's hand when he was taking the throw in?
3: Yeah, it was jokes.
2: Absolutely brilliant! Absolutely yeah. brilliant! Almost as good as Mike Dean celebrating last night for Tranmere. I, <laughs> I was, was literally superb.
3: just thinking that. I was just thinking I could work that into the conversation, but no, that was great. Stood up, wasn't he? Going absolutely mental, surrounded by a bunch of sort of scousers, loving life. Yeah, I thought it was great.
2: Absolutely superb. I could, I could, I live for content like that. That's fantastic. Yeah, big up Mike um, Dean. Fair play to you, mate. <laughs> yeah, if you literally, listen, Mike. I said he yeah. is a human. He is, after all, one of them are anyway. The, the, one yep. on, the one on Saturday certainly wasn't Andy Wilmer. And you know the, the frustrating thing about Andy Wilmer was he was the referee for our game against Doncaster, which you, you may have watched, which was on Sky. Um, he was the best referee he had all season. We totally talked him up. How brilliant he was! He let everything flow.
3: Didn't blow for anything. He, he let it be a bit blood and thunder. No, and disagree. Then... Absolutely disagree. From a neutral point of view, watching that game, okay, and I was fairly neutral. I watched the game on TV. He didn't give an absolutely blatant penalty to Doncaster. Oh, the Oztek one? Yeah, he wrestled him to the floor. It nah, was like it was a sumo terrible. move. Absolute <laughs> sumo, wasn't it? Come on. I that have, was a penalty. I have
2: nothing against Alan took Nothing will be said against
3: Prince Alan. Nothing. Not word. Nothing wrong. But you know, you've got to say that was an absolute and the referee was stood there. He even warned them first. He was staring straight out in, into his eyes and he just went, Yeah, I don't fancy giving that penalty. And just walked off. Yeah. I thought it was bad.
2: But then, then you go to Saturday and he gets that other one completely wrong again. I suppose making up but for it, making up well, for it. It was the the same man, but you know you don't 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 go against Prince Alam is what I say. Just if you think he's doing something wrong, he's probably not. It's Prince Alam. It's fine. Well, he got called
3: um, less and spineless by Doncaster fans, so not giving that penalty, and then he sent <laughs> the same guy off against us. So we'll see. Uh, talking about players that are gonna
2: be playing, obviously, Turk we expect to play. I will say Turk, it's Turk, and Alex will tell me off for getting the pronunciation wrong. But <laughs> um, McGeady, obviously, was a, as we talked before, was a, a big miss. Now, I'll be honest with you, I, I have a sneaky suspicion and I have heard that he's, he might not even be fit for Wembley um, should that come around. But the, the, no one's ruled him out just as yet. Jack Ross hasn't ruled him out just as yet. And maybe Jack Ross is doing a bit of a Kenny jacket and he's actually absolutely fine. How big of a difference do you think having Aidan McGeady fit for Sunderland on Thursday could make? Do you think him being fit could be the difference between Sunderland getting to Wembley, Portsmouth getting to Wembley?
3: No, not really. I don't think he's fit. Full stop. Not not only from you know what you hear and stuff, but also from the fact that he's not been fit. His even before he pulled up the other day against us in training. You know, before in warm up, sorry, before the game. Yeah. If he does play, he's going to be a fifty percent AD McGeady And I don't think that's going to work for you. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not concerned too much about that. I think it's a great it's great that he's not fit or you know, fit enough to play or fit enough to play half the game or whatever. But you know, I don't think it's gonna be a big factor. So which players
2: concern you on Thursday?
3: well chris maguire is the obvious one he came on and changed the game and you know i've got to um stop predicting the players to score against us. there's three games in a row now um, <laughs> but yeah no chris maguire he's um he's a da- he's dangerous and again he looks like a match winner for you charlie wyke he's a funny player um, he's a player that can score he can score a good header if he's given the service so i thought Lyndon gooch looked fairly good for you i was fairly surprised I thought his form had, had been a good quite game. poor
2: it, he has he's been very very poor and i've been many people have been dying from to out of the team but no he was he was really good we were really really impressed by him i thought he he was one of the players that definitely brought it to the table when we needed him. yeah he had a good game
3: yeah and i also thought and against what i predicted actually i thought lee katamal had a very good game as well I, I thought that he he really got stuck in on our star players didn't give them any time on the ball and he really looked like a player that he irritates the absolute out of me mate to be honest his face annoys me but at the same time I'll give him credit that he, he seems to every time his face comes on television I look at it and like I'm watching the replay right I'm just thinking oh god you know no, I won't I want you too colourful <laughs> language please no I, me. I've said nothing
2: nice about Portsmouth for weeks <laughs> and, and you've been getting it in the ear mate because you're the only Portsmouth fan I
3: know so feel free feel free yeah, so, but, you know, put that, put my personal issues with Lee Catamar aside for one second. I think he looked like a bit of a leader on the pitch and maybe that's what, what irritated yeah. me. Turk looks good. Oviedo, I thought he had a really good game. I thought really good. I, I did,
2: I felt the same.
3: I thought, don't think anyone's played Jamal Lowe as well as he has um, in the season, to be honest. And I thought that... He was that, very quiet, wasn't he, Jamal
2: Lowe? I, I, yeah. I actually had a, and I'm not just saying this, when we did the reaction pod on Sunday at... We were talking about Portsmouth players who could damage us and who we should be worried about. And I, I kind of forgot he was playing. So it shows you how well obviously had played because Jamal was one of the best players in this league.
3: Yeah, he is for sure. And he's been involved in more games, uh, more goals than anyone else um, this season, including McGeady, I believe, in midfield. Yeah. So, but as I said, it was the fact that we had such an unpotent left side with a, Ronan Curtis, who was so sluggish, and a, a left-back player that who doesn't, he was actually a right-back. So he had no width on one side. And because of that, as I said, you had Catamol drifting over that side and providing an extra man on Jamal Lowe. Hopefully, that will change. But yeah, so that's it. Obviously, I I rate your goalkeeper. He's a good player. And Ozturk, do you know what? He played well against Ollie Hawkins. But I still think he's a bit slow and immobile. And um, I think if we can get, say, um, Jamal Lowe or someone with a bit of pace running at him, I'm not too worried about him, really. So I suppose that the big thing for me sort of
2: the big the big question isn't it who's going to Wembley who do you think what how do you think the game's going to pan out I told you before mate this is a really hard prediction <laughs> it is it's tough I I I have no idea how to call it I think in truth as much as we'd lost the checker trade it was 2-2 um we lost to Fratton park that was 3-1 but it was nil nil when it was 10 men uh, before it was ten men, um, and then it was one. Went the stadium light. I think realistically, we've had technically two draws and, and a win each. If you take out the penalties, it's we've been close all season, haven't we?
3: Yeah, we have. And what concerns me is there's not really been a difference between the two teams. and not been a huge gap in goals. So I don't think Sunderland have had many occasions where they've lost by more than one goal. Have they? Have they all season? Uh... Coventry, Burton,
2: and Portsmouth 3-1, but that was with 10 men. Mm-hmm. Um and then you've got Fleetwood 2-1. Yeah, we've we've never lost by more than never lost by more than one goal apart from against yourselves, which was with yeah. 10 men. So
3: yeah, yeah. So that's that's obviously worrying for me. Do you know what? It's, do I go with my head and my heart? My head says we might end up losing and going for a one-all draw, which is I'm sure would be hilarious to all of you lot. Um Get, get go through that. to the final in a bloody one-all draw it's been like the bane of your existence all season <laughs> yeah. it's a very sudden thing to do to but be with you. on the other hand at home attacking because we actually are going to attack now because we have to Yeah. and we're, when we're on our front foot we're you know we can be unstoppable unplayable on the day I'm going to have to say it's going to be 2-1 go to extra time and we're going to win on penalties oh god no nah, not again I'm not having that
2: Um, I think I'm going to go, I actually think there'll be quite a few goals in it. I think think we'll both go for it. I think we'll probably want to try and score earlier, put put us two in the lead. I think you've got to go for it. I'm going to go 2-2. The two-all draw? Yeah, I think. It's not the worst way to go out. At least it's not out with a whimper for Pompey. No, I think think we'll score first. Then I think you'll get two back. And I think we'll do kind of like we did at the Checker Trade, score a bit late on. And just nick it, but this time win it without having to do the penalty side of things. But no. um, I, I, I'm, I'm saying that more with just kind <laughs> of hope as opposed to certainty. I really I really can't call it. And I think there's a lot of people that can't call it. But it's exciting, isn't it?
3: Yeah, completely. Is
2: that is that your heart speaking then? Because I have my head and heart prediction. I don't know which one's which at points. I think something <laughs> has mixed them up over the years, mate. Um, but, but I think so. I, I'd like to think so. I'd like to go back to Wembley. And and I think whoever wins this, no offense to any Charlton fans listening, I think we're going to win at Wembley. Um, I, I think both sides are better than Charlton, if I'm honest with you. Um, despite the fact that we finished below them, I think on our day, and the fact that we both played at Wembley this season as well, I think I, th- I think we owe Charlton one, and I certainly think Portsmouth would beat Charlton if they got there as well. So I think whoever wins this one goes up.
3: Well, let's hope so. I'm actually a bit concerned about Charlton. I'm not only because they scored one more goal than us, which is where the difference in the league table is, um, but they they for me they look pretty dynamic and they play they play pretty well against us. So I'm, I'm not going to say if we if we beat you guys, we're going to go through and, and beat Charlton because I actually think that's a tough game as well so i I think that's fifty fifty I mean I have to watch their playoff games and and review the review the footage, but I'm definitely not thinking we'll go through just if we uh if we beat you and maybe if we don't go through if we do beat you, we'll end up back in the same league again, yeah.
2: Potentially. I tell you what, mind, I've said all that, and it'll be Doncaster that have a mammoth comeback, isn't it, in the second leg and go on to win the final as well and beat cool. anyone
3: that's in their way. We can hope we can hope that Donny somehow gets a miraculous John Marquis hat trick or something. That 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 would be that
2: would be very Sunderland to get to Wembley Doncaster to to come back against Charlton and us to get nicked 3-0. Nick 3-0, hammered 3-0 at Wembley. It'd um, be very bumpy as well, mate,
3: to be honest. Think oh, the same boat.
2: Yeah. yeah, but huge. Thanks for coming back on again, mate. It's always good to chat. Um, despite the fact there's there's definitely no love lost between the two sides this season. Um, I do I do wish you as much luck as I can for Thursday. I can't wish you too much. But no. it's been lovely chatting. Um whenever we'll speak again on this thing, I don't know. Hopefully it'll not be the last time i speak on the extra podcast because i'd like to do another wembley review hopefully against Charton or doncaster moving forward um but we never know this could be the last time you hear from me or, or from the extra podcast till august um hopefully not though but hugh thanks so much as always for coming on me no thanks a lot cheers graham you're a gent mate. awesome cheers you thanks thanks
1: Some exchange betting companies run short-lived promotions, like months-long offers of low commission. At BetDAC, we wanted to change the way we did things, so we set our commission at 2% permanently. That's 2% on football, horse racing, golf, almost any sport. 2%. That's just one way that BetDAC is changing for the better. For the better, like you. BetDAC, the 2% commission exchange. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's stamps.com, code PROGRAM.
0: Confidence starts with loving who you are.